This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics Town Yes, peace and love, peace and love, peace and love. Welcome. You are listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 93, covering the comic books that I read that came out Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, February 8th. And this particular podcast is stuffed with a bunch of dosy dos, thin mints, toffee-tastics, and all the other delicious comic book flavors. I am your Girl Scout cookie-filled host. So many Girl Scout cookies. Chris Latore, thank you so much for joining us here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast where every single week I recommend to you an amazing list of comic books to read. That's right, every single week. Maybe you're brand new to comics, you're not sure where to start or what to get. Or maybe you've just been reading comic books since dirt was created, like myself. And you just want to save some time, save some money, and just be told what the best stuff is so you can go out there and get it. Well, if you're either one of those sort of people, then the Sunspots Comics Podcast is definitely for you. So thank you for joining in and listening and please subscribe to our podcast and also follow us on the social medias at instagram twitter and facebook and the xbox live at sunspots comics just uh, even check us out on youtube at youtube.com slash tofilat and of course two thank yous quickly to nick papa george for making our amazing theme song it just came out of his brain it's so awesome and i love it please follow him and check him out he's an amazing musician at facebook.com slash nicholas dell music and also thank you to my son, Justin, quote-unquote, Jables Latori, for his work on our Sunspots Comics blog. It's uh, every single time he does one, I post it at blog.sunspotscomics.com. And follow him on Instagram, at JustSunspots. And his latest blog is on his favorite five movies of 2016. And they are all really good, so check that out. Just a quick announcement reminder to check us out on Instagram every so often, at Sunspots Comics, because... I've been rolling out some brand new free comic books, just giving them away for free, the digital comic book codes. So every time I buy a comic book on paper, I never really use the codes and plug them in and read them digitally. So I thought, why not just give them away to you for free? Yes. So I've been giving out some Spider-Man, some Silver Surfer. There is a Doctor Strange issue number 10 coming out very soon. Matter of fact, I'll just give it away right now. If you're listening to this podcast, you're going to reap the benefits the first one to go to marvel.com slash redeem with this code wins 
the Marvel Doctor Strange issue number 10. This is written by Justin Aaron, and it's art by Chris Bocciolo. And the code is, here it comes, I'm going to read it to you now. So the first person to hear this podcast and go to marvel.com slash redeem wins. Here is the code. It is F as in Frank, C-M-K-U-R-N as in Nancy, B as in boy, I as in indigo, H as in Henry, X as in x-ray, Q as in Qbert, or quality, whatever you like. So there it is. I'll read it back one more time really fast. F-C-M-K-U-R-N-B-I-H-X-Q. So go now to marvel.com slash redeem and try to get this free comic book just for you. That's right. First person to log in wins Dr. Strange issue number 10, a digital version of it. So there you go. Thank you for listening and just a little freebie for you. But check us out on Instagram every so often at Sunspots Comics. I'll post free digital codes there. First one to get it wins, of course. So go get some. Check us out on Instagram. So let's just jump right into podcast issue number 93 with some stuff floating around in my nerd brain. Yes, the first thing I'd like to do is I would like to dedicate this show and give a warm shout out to a friend of the show and podcast listener, Chad Cameron. Yes. Hi, Chad. Please follow him on Instagram at official Chadwick Bummer. Thank you, Chad, for your super kind words uh, the other day on your Instagram, random Instagram post. I really appreciate it. And also for telling your followers to check us out at the sun, check us out here at the Sunspots Comics podcast. You really, truly fueled and inspired my nerd heart this week. So I just wanted to dedicate the Sunspots Comics Podcast, Issue 92, to you. So thank you, my friend. Thank you for your kind words. That's Chad Cameron, official Chadwick Bummer on Instagram. So thank you. This podcast is dedicated to you, Chad. Also on my nerd lobes is the new Marvel X-Men Legion, Season 1, Episode 1 on FX. And it was an hour and seven minutes long with no commercial, so I was impressed by the length of it. But before I get into my feeling of it, um, of course, spoiler-ish alert, but this really, I don't really spoil it, but just in case. But I wanted to give you a quick little comic book background on the character Legion, a.k.a. David Charles Haller. His first appearance was in Marvel Comics' New Mutants, issue 25, back in March of 1985. It's created by Chris Claremont, who did a fantastic run on the X-Men epic classic run if you want to see just fantastic x-men stuff just anything that chris claremont did of the x-men is phenomenal and it's uh, created by him and the artist bill sankevich so they were the creators and a quick like legion origin uh charles xavier of course professor x he met david's mother gabriel holler is their last name while he was working in an israeli psychiatric facility where she was one of his patients and uh, Professor X was secretly like using his psychic powers to ease the pain of uh, Holocaust survivors that were there in this uh, institutionalized in this uh, this psychiatric facility, and the two had an affair and resulted in the birth of their son David Legion. And I don't think that Xavier knew about it. I think that that she kept it secret. So for a long time he didn't even know that uh, David slash Legion existed. So there's a little background on him. And his powers are all over the place. He has the ability to like absorb a person's psych and turn that into like an alternate personality, kind of a multiple personality syndrome. And he also can manifest other superhumans' abilities. So a little on the rogue side, but he also is telepathic, telekinetic, pyrokinetic. He can there's even he has time travel abilities. He can warp reality. So his powers, he's definitely an omega level mutant. 
and I absolutely loved it. So here we go into sort of my review. It had this one flew over the cuckoo's nest feel to it. Uh, he it had a, like a Moon Knight feel as well, like the comic book currently. Whereas they're bending reality. I mean, cinematically, this show is stunning. It's absolutely beautiful to look at. It's shot so well. The strange use of light and of just sort of random imagery that's thrown into your face is just mind belt and bending. Uh, it definitely twists reality and. I tell you, it was just so gorgeously delivered. Even the orchestration, the music, the sound selections, they picked, a, uh, as you may have heard in the opener here, Rolling Stones. Uh, they've, they've got a, just an eclectic pick of sort of odd-sounding music that you don't even really can't even recognize it at first. But even just the orchestration has this just kind of eerie, ominous tone. And I, overall, I just love their very purposeful lack of light in some sequences that just made you kind of lean in and struggle to see what's happening but i love that at the same time it's like they actually film scenes truly in the dark and some of the imagery i mean hopefully we'll see or you never know it's ultimately his psychosis but overall i want to continue watching it um especially if they sort of make sense of some of the delusions and the frightening imagery that we see uh maybe they won't maybe that's just part of his mutant psychosis i mean who knows but i am in it's well acted it's visually stunning, like I said, and so check out Legion on FX. It is worth your time, and I love the little extra uh, bonus kicker material. Like I said, it's an hour uh, and seven minutes long for their first episode, so I really enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. Check out Legion on FX. And the next thing on my nerd lobe's brain is Lego Batman. The wife and I did a very rare thing. We saw a... We went to, uh, we saw two films the same day, a double feature day. It was awesome. We saw Lego Batman and we saw John Wick 2. I recommend them both. Seriously, these aren't spoiler reviews, so don't worry. But Lego Batman was so fun and cute and colorful. And there was so many nods to all the many versions of Batman over the years, including the 66 TV show. The music was hilarious. The original music that was sung by various actors was great and hilarious and funny. I mean, Zach Galifianakis as the Joker. I really enjoyed Batman breaking the fourth wall uh, during the intro. He sort of talked over it. I mean, even when the logos came out, he was like, DC, and, uh, <laughs> and explained things in his own weird sort of Batman uh, way. It was, it was hilarious and fantastic. At times, I felt that the material was really made for me and for older fans of Batman and not necessarily for kids. I could tell by some of the reactions. Because at times it got a little serious and, got, and, and was really sort of a reflection of, of, of a major personality flaw with Batman uh, due to, of course, his horrendous background. But uh, I, I really seriously enjoyed it. It's, it's good for all ages, but for me it felt like more for adults uh, in some of the material. But uh, kids especially enjoyed like Act 1. It just seemed a lot more silly and fast and colorful and explosion of Legos everywhere. And then sort of 2 and 3, it settles in and three, you know gets a little serious in Act 2. And then 3 kind of just finishes up in the action and the fun and, and the level 10 sort of Lego intensity, if you will. So check it out. Lego Batman is worth the time and the money. It was super duper good. I really, really loved it. And the last thing on my nerd brain is that I'm actually writing a comic book. It's called Zombie Destroyers. I'm doing the writing, the coloring, the lettering, and my friend Jordan Hudson is doing his beautiful art. Please check his Instagram out at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is gorgeous. Thank you very much, Jordan. I've also managed to grab the website zombiedestroyers.com, so check that out. Out. I've got four pages, little sample pages there that you can see to get a gist of what my comic book looks like. We hope to release it before the middle of this year. Uh, we're on pace of that. And just a quick little zombie destroyer update. 
Uh, Jordan has and I collaborated over the finalizing of the pages look and feel and layouts panel layouts of pages 19 and 20 so he's going to start penciling that and it's looking like 30 I know I've I always like almost every single podcast say it's gonna be a different page amount because it literally does change like week to week as we're working on it but I want to have it jam-packed I want it to be an extra bonus sized first issue so we're looking at about 30 pages but please check out zombiedestroyers.com from time to time and uh, you'll get more little nuggets of it as it comes along. And next, I just wanted to quickly mention, we've got five interviews lined up. I know I've, I'm backed up here. We've had some scheduling things going on. But of a segment we love to call Spotlighting. And it ultimately is just our little give back to people that are comic book creators that are struggling to get their work out there. And so you, if you yourself or you know someone that's an independent comic book creator... Just let us know what your work is. We want to help out and let our podcast listeners know about your independent comic book work. And we know how hard it is. I myself am a struggling independent comic book creator, so it's tough. But send me a little glimpse of your work or reach out to me on uh, on all the social media. My email is chris at sunspotscomics.com. And, of course, at sunspotscomics on all the social media. But we want to do our part to help independent comic book creators like myself get their work out there and be successful and continue on the lovely, lovely, lovely art form that is comic books. And just quickly, let's jump into a a comic book news article I have. I just have one article this week, and it is a comic book feel-good factoid freebie. Yes, that's right. Chuckle along, children. But this particular one comes from the Las Vegas Review Journal newspaper. I used to live in Las Vegas for a long period of time. So this newspaper has a little bit of my heart. It's one I used to check out every so often. But this is on their website, reviewjournal.com. And this uh, just just tickled my nerd brain in that there are some gyms called Caramores. They're really like gyms that are meant for older folks, if you will. But they are starting a lightsaber exercise class. <laughs> so I just was so tickled by this and it just warmed my nerd heart that I had to absolutely share it. But they, I hope this is implemented in other gyms and of all ages from golds to 24-hour fitness. But they show these older 40-something, 50-something year old folks battling in a class for, for ultimately promoting exercise and swinging around a lightsaber is the primary exercise element of the class. So I love it. I would take one today if it was at 24 Hour Fitness or any of the others. I would absolutely take a lightsaber training class as exercise. Come on. How fun is that? And uh, I, I, I want one in my town. But way to go Las Vegas into leading the, the pack of us Star Wars fans out there. And we've always wanted this. We, we always have. We know we, <laughs> if you're a Star Wars fan, you've always wanted to just uh, swing a lightsaber around for an hour or so and burn calories. Yes, it's in there. But fantastic. That's why it's my one single comic book feel-good factoid freebie this week. Just made me laugh. Just warmed my nerd heart. And I had to share it with you. And, of course, I'll put it on all the uh, social media so you can see the article and pass it along and tell a friend. But way to go, Review Journal in Las Vegas. Love it. And now, on to my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics Podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my favorite comic books for New Comic Book Day Wednesday. February 8th. And of course, spoiler-ish, alarm alert, you have been warned. I really don't even touch the last couple of pages. If you've listened to the podcast in the past, I really just 
ultimately are trying to persuade you into going and buy these comic books. So I don't want to speak about every single talking point and, and fun and action point in a comic, but I'll, I'll tap on some of them and I'll leave the last couple of pages alone. But you have been warned in case you are a 100% purist, absolutely no spoiler, uh, you have been warned, but really you don't have to worry. Like I said, I'm just ultimately trying to talk you into go buying these. And to see everything that I'm reading, all of my favorite picks of the week since May of 2015, just go to my website, sunspotscomics.com. Please click on pull list to see the 148 titles I'm reading. I just updated the website, so there's, I'm up to 148. Thankfully, they don't all come out at one time because I'd be a very poor man. But I'm up to that many. I mean, there are a lot of comics that don't consistently release their issues every four weeks. Uh, like Afterlife with Archie, for instance. I'm just, just pulled it out of my head. They do about three or four issues a year. And so, uh, but there are 148 titles that I'm currently reading, and ultimately, um, I just picked the great ones and discuss them here. But please check out sunspotscomics.com. I just recently updated the site. I compacted it. I simplified it. I'm super proud of it. So please check out sunspotscomics.com. And this week's winners, I always like to talk about uh, art. It's the major driving force that make me love comic books, of course, so much. So I always pick an art winner and a cover artist winner. This week, it is one in the same. It quite often happens that way. <laughs> but I did share the artist winner with another person. But Tula Lote. I don't, much, I don't know much about Tula Lote. I'm going to look at her work further. But she is the artist on All-Star Batman issue number seven. She did this glorious cover that is absolutely amazing. Uh, it's just iconic. It has this very noir-like style and feel to it. It's kind of on the darker side of things, which I love. She did two covers, and then Franco Francesco Franco Villa did another cover, um, which those are my cover art winners. Tula uh, Lute uh, one, and Francesco Franco Villa for the All Star Batman issue seven are my artist cover winners. But Tula Lute won it for interior art. It is gorgeous. She definitely has that Michael Allred sort of style, um, uh, sort of Fiona Staples kind of style, very iconic, very crisp and clean lines. The emotion in the eyes are gorgeous. Uh, Batman suit is a little different. Uh, there's some uh, poison fighting sort of aspect of a suit and it glows neon green. I like that little touch. I loved it. She does some stuff where she sort of warps and twists the frame. Very cinematic and feeling. A lot of neon and greens and pinks and yellows. So it just really pops out on the page. But it's a lot of the emotion in the eyes. Close up of Poison Ivy's eyes are beautiful and gorgeous with that light green sort of glow to them. Tula Lote knocked it out of the park. I mean, absolutely stunning, beautiful, every single page. I love her little blurring effect for action. I mean, she has this scene where this Jeep is driving across the desert, and she's sort of back-imposed like an actual map that's just sort of fused into the background of the picture, and it really adds this cool sort of, I'm traveling, yet there's a lot of intricate turns I'm making, and it storytelling with that art, with her art there, that little touch of that map imposed in the background, was something really special but it is absolutely gorgeous she did the penciling the inks the colors and hats off to Tula Lote um, I'm going to find her work I am a fan of yours uh, Tula uh, you will now be someone that I seek out to purchase and buy your work so she's that good amazing I'm gonna look more into her uh, all of what she's been doing and maybe this is her first I don't know this could be her debut work it, the name just doesn't even ring a bell to me and I've read 4700 million comics so she could be brand new to it but if so Man, what a jump from the gates to Lelote, this week's artist winner. Beautiful. And, oh, and Francesco Francovia's uh, cover 
is just stunning with Batman there and this this sort of lightning across his chest that's drawn in with uh, Poison Ivy there. And of course it has that Francisco Francavilla dark and creepy style that Afterlife with Archie sort of feel and look to it. But it is gorgeous. Anything Francisco Francavilla does is top notch. It's just very creepy looking. And he pulled that off rather well with this Batman cover. But man, Tula Lote. Thank you. Love it. Beautiful. You made me so happy. Also, just a quick special mention before I get into the breakdown is the comic book from DC Comics, The Flintstones. It's written by Mark Russell and art by Steve Pugh. And I just read issue number two, I went into, and I am loving it. This comic book is a definite modern take on it. Uh, it definitely has a bit of nostalgia feel, but you don't really have to know anything about what The Flintstones are about. They definitely have some modern reflection of uh, topics and interesting things that are going on in our times today that is reflected right into this strange dinosaur family and uh, it's messed up in ways it's hilarious but it's a lot of fun and Steve Pugh's art is top-notch but I'm going to uh, they're up to issue eight right now and I'm going to get caught up and I'm gonna read them all and very soon I'll give you like a full spoiler free review of it if it deems worthy of course I mean the first two issues have been great phenomenal uh, and like I said so far so good but uh, Flintstones by DC Comics check out at least the first two issues and I'm gonna read uh, three through eight very soon but uh, loving it. It's hilarious. It's funny. It reminds me of Chew, how some of the things in the background you have to just read. Like the names of stuff, like Star Rocks and Star Bricks. Like as coffee, they, they use their sort of Flintstone twist on names of modern things. But I'm loving it. So check it out. The Flintstones from DC Comics. And quickly, the breakdown. This week I bought 22 comics. And 11 of them made it to the Great Ones recommendation list. So that's, that's that 50%. That's where I want to live. And 50% is always preferable for them to be on the greats. And this week, uh, new number ones, I always like to mention all of the new number ones that came out. There are seven of them this week, and that's a lot. And three of them made it to the great ones list, which is solid. So that's that's really good that almost half uh, made it there to the great one list, and I'll be discussing those three here in the countdown in a second. Let's get into it. So here's my top comic book recommendations. This is my great ones list of comics for new comic book day February 8th. I consider these comic books to be the great ones this week and only the great ones make it to the Sunspots comics recommendation list. So here we go. Here are the 11 coming in at number 11 is Fool Killer issue number four. This is from Marvel Comics and this is uh, writer Max Bemis and this is uh, art by Delabor Tahaljik. I'm very sorry if I mispronounced that, but this is a, a hilarious take. Um, this time, our fool killer, who is the psych psychiatrist of S.H.I.E.L.D. that is trying to be the psychiatrist for a lot of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s bad guys and rehabilitate them, but he has this code where if he feels they are foolish and only do the world harm with their foolishness, then he must kill them. <laughs> and that's the code. That's the premise. And someone is now after Fool Killer. They've approached his... They've uncovered information about his love interest that is not good. And that shakes things up a bit. And now uh, walking through his doors is none other than Deadpool. <laughs> so here's a little twist. Normally he's uh, talking to, uh, like I said, S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, villains. People that have um, been forced to see a 
a superhero psychiatric specialist, <laughs> but now Deadpool walks the door, and it definitely has the Ryan Reynolds likeness, the I hear Ryan Reynolds voice, he, they captured it so well, Max Bemis did a great job of capturing the voice of Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool here, and it is absolutely a ton of fun, he's awkwardly attracted to our main uh, character fool killer, inappropriately touching him at times, <laughs> and it's just a riot, that was the, it had me laughing out loud, it was worth seeing Deadpool. I don't really follow Deadpool and all the gazillion Deadpools that are currently out right now. But it was nice to see this sort of Deadpool movie version of him and the tone of Ryan Reynolds. Look and feel and writing style. I loved it. It's like they really harnessed Ryan Reynolds here and I believe that he truly is Deadpool. I believe it in my mind. But yes, our fool killer is having a hard time with Deadpool. He's having a hard time getting a read on him. He, uh, he goes into some... Uh, into a, an, a very inappropriate story, a very inappropriate thing that happened to Deadpool that he's trying to help him walk through it and have him do a lot of those typical uh, psychiatrist sort of things and how does that make you feel and what do you think you should do and playing sort of that little mind, that little Jedi mind game with him. But we also see the bad guy who's like this red hooded character and someone that wanted to be the fool killer as well and just sort of took over the mantle because he really liked the Fool Killer's look and vibe and mission and code. So it's like this wannabe uh, a Fool Killer that is now his uh, nemesis that's coming after him. And that's the ultimately who in the last issue they revealed as the bad guy that's trying to uh, get the Fool Killer out of his position and kill him and take over as Fool Killer number one. But it's hilarious. It's fun. It's strange. It's definitely something different for the Marvel Universe. Uh, that's really the hook of it. It's like Marvel's not doing anything sort of like this. And uh, it definitely has a, a more of an adult theme, a more of like a kind of R-rated feel to it. Uh, or at least a heavy PG-13. And there isn't really any profanity, but just the material and the content and the, the of course, Deadpool doing his Deadpool thing. But anyway, number 11, top-notch, Fool Killer, issue number 4. Check them all out. I think it's ending. I think one more issue and it's, yes, it's done. Um, it does say to be concluded. But hopefully we see more of Fool Killer in the future. But coming in at uh, number 10, <laughs> I said top 10 earlier, sorry, but it's 11, is uh, John Carter, uh, The End, issue number one. And John Carter, The End is actually from, it's from Boom Studios. And, and I'm sorry, it's from Dynamite Studios. And great first issue here. This is um, the first of the three number ones that made it, the new number ones that made it to the countdown. But... I haven't read John Carter in a while. I've been missing it. I've been wanting to even just go back and watch the movie, which I really enjoyed. I know a lot of people didn't. But this is cool. This starts out with uh, John and uh, the Queen, his woman. Uh, this is also uh, writers Brian Wood and Alex Cox, and this is artist Hayden Sherman. The art is very independent style, very scratchy, sort of very, a uh, lot of lines. And it just has this sort of Sean Murphy kind of feel to it. Check out Sean Murphy. Uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. But it's very a lot of straight lines, a lot of scratchy lines, a lot of strange edges. A very independent comic book kind of feel. But uh, Deja Thoris, I think is his name, is the queen. I pulled that right out of my head. It could be wrong. I'm sorry. I'm horrible with names. She's standing on Titan. It's this very strange, otherworldly like view right off the bat of page one with no dialogue. And the sky is green. The ground is blue. She has red skin. It's just this beautiful explosion of color where she's standing there seeing something sort of shoot across the sky, like a meteor, a ship, we don't really know. It ultimately, is, it does end up being a ship. So her and John Carter are hiding out. They're living in this intense cliff, which is a great, works as a great hideout. But 
there is this uh, this group chasing after her. She's got to get her weaponry. It's just so action packed, right from the get go. And they they want to hunt them down at first. They are shooting at her. She is ultimately leading them into a trap, which is John Carter. And they've got some heavy duty guns. They're firing at the ship. It's just a great opening action sequence. Talk about getting you hooked to a comic. Open with a serious action sequence like this. And it's so beautifully colored, like I said. Green skies and blue ground and red skin from, from Deja, Queen Deja Thoris. And man, uh, when when John Carter comes out and he starts attacking this ship, it just it, the action is so laid out so well. Uh, great blurring tools and use of speed and some unique paneling that's all done here. It just makes to a great beginning. So yes, we get to see who these people are. Why are they attacking them? Yes, you got to see. I don't want to ruin that that particular plot point, but uh, it does involve their son and something that has happened to their son. It's your kids, Marty. <laughs> but they they ultimately uh, approach them in a very wrong way. This alien armada, but uh, they eventually tell them why they really need them. And that, and we're off and running. That's issue number one. That's really all I want to tell you about it. It's action-packed. It's beautifully colored. It's uniquely penciled. Check out John Carter, The End, issue number one. It's one to definitely jump on. It's added to my pull list. I'm going to check this out. I think it is a, um, it's a mini-series, so I think it goes five or six issues. Maybe they haven't officially announced that yet, but um, good stuff. If you love John Carter, heck, if you don't, and you just want to see kind of what this is about, you don't really have to know what John Carter is. But check out John Carter, The End, issue number one. And coming in at number nine from Image Comics is Birthright, issue number 22. This is uh, creator-writer Joshua Williamson, who's doing The Flash and so many other things. Creator and artist Andre Bresson. Andre Bresson's art's phenomenal. Very clean lines, very realistic. Uh, Cartoony-like coloring by Adriano Lucas, but... The art and the lines um, and the finishings are very much in a, a very art realistic style, and I really like that. But this shows like this strange sort of seance at the beginning. This is sort of the introduction of Sauron, like Lord of the Rings. This is where we finally get to see King Lore and a glimpse of his face. This is 22 issues, and we haven't seen the actual King Lore, the evil King Lore, standing sort of in front of us. This is sort of a vision, sort of, or his arm comes out of this evil this evil pit and grabs the, the 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 woman that is doing this crazy seance with all these weird drums and and the dark and silhouetting and a lot of fire involved it's very sort of indiana jones temple of doom when they're having that seance and he's pulling people's hearts out it just kind of reminds me of that <laughs> but it's a lot of fun to live in this world and we finally get a glimpse of the Ingle evil king lore and yeah they his the way they draw him he does sort of have that spiky sort of crown that's like I said, it's very Eye of Sauron, that the, that look and feel, Lord of the Rings, but his eyes are all red, and he's mostly standing in the dark, and the way they make him look is horrifying and frighteningly awesome at the same time. But yes, he's not having this seance. He likes to keep things very quiet. He's a manipulator. He um, has a, the very much the long game of this to take over their world and Earth because there's been this sort of breach that connects these two planets, these multiverse planets together. With our character Mikey, who was stolen as a child and brought to this strange uh, land, Lord of the Rings verse, if you will, and trained as the Chosen One. And this just uh, gives us that glimpse. Ultimately, this is really kind of showing us what King Lore is about. But when they do give us another flashback into Mikey's sort of training when he was you know, chosen to be the Chosen One, 
and how sort of tough that is on him. I mean, every single moment, that world that he lived in is trying to kill him. I mean, there's this sort of beautiful mer, like mermaid, merwoman that comes out of the ocean, luring him in like a siren on a boat, and then immediately turns into like this great white shark monster. I mean, it's great. Even the blending and the morphing of it going from from mermaid to great white shark. It's just so well done. Beautiful art, like I said, by Andre Bresson. But this is only moving the story a little bit forward in that uh, we now sort of have the gathering of people. The mission is sort of very clear in that we they have to gather together. They they're Right now, they're kind of split. They're all at ends of each other. They don't know whether to trust Mikey or not in this, and there's some of that here. But they've got to get their stuff together to battle this King Lore. He is coming. He's going to take Earth. He's going to take the other planet if they don't get their crap together. So that's what this is about. It's that gathering. It's that clarification. It's that we know what we need to do. King Lore is a, a devious demon. We need to all cut the crap out and get together, become singular in focus, and fight King Lore. So I like that. It's like the gathering. It's like the tooling. It's the putting together of the team. But Birthright 22, it's just been solid. It's constantly, if you look in the past picks, it's always sprinkled in here into my top pick list and even number one at times. So it's been solid. And here we are in issue 22 of Birthright. I can't believe it. But coming in at number eight is Green Valley, issue number five. This is from Image Comics. This is written by Max Landis. I know we had a Max Beeman and a Max Landis. And this is art by Giuseppe Camincoli, who is... I've always loved on in his Spider-Man work, but he does some great, very chiseled, very straight-lined, very realistic uh, fantasy world art here, and it's so brightly colored and brightly lit. It just seems to always be in the daytime, because everything is very bright and crisp lettering, but this opening sequence is them fighting dinosaurs, but dinosaurs with a twisted sort of look to them. They have a strange glowing ring around their neck, like they're being controlled by someone, they're ultimately running from these velociraptor-like dinosaurs that are attacking them. And there's even an awesome moment where they chomp one of our main character's head, but his helmet is there to sort of save him. And it's frightening because this dinosaur has his head uh, in this dinosaur's mouth. It's crazy. But I love their almost bird-like look to them. They have feathers on them. I loved whenever they do that with dinosaurs. Some crazy coloring and stripes of these velociraptors. And they're just trying to stay alive and trying to run from them and trying to attack them and... The best that they can and stay together because ultimately they are after this strange wizard that seems like he walked out of 2016 and we get to see him here yes doing some very 2016 kind of stuff that's all i really want to tell you <laughs> but it's it's swords fighting dinosaurs velociraptors on the hunt and they're using what they can rocks sticks mud stones uh and swords to fight these raptors so they can get to that weird wizard that's just because they're in very much medieval times and yet this wizard is uh wearing modern clothes and he's writing in 2016 so it's crazy but i highly recommend it it is so very good it's it's fantasy fun it's hack and slash good times and that is green valley issue number five so check that out coming in at number seven is uh trigger man this is from hard case crime comics and trigger man is written by uh, Walter Hill, and this is art by Mats and Jeff. I've talked about them before. This is issue number five of five. This is the end of this particular series. 
The art on this is phenomenal. I didn't know until recently that Walter Hill is actually like a movie director. He did all of the Aliens movies. He did the movie called The Warriors. I mean, he is just a top-notch producer, writer, screenwriter, director, and now he's doing Trigger Man. And it definitely feels like he's trying to get this picked up as a major motion picture. And I looked up uh, stuff. doesn't seem to be locked up yet, but I'm sure that's what he's thinking of. And this is ultimately a Tommy Gunn Toten hitman that is hell-bent on doing this job for Al Capone and the mob to just sort of save face, to do to do this as a favor that he's owed to them. And he uh, has also a side mission of finding this woman that he loves. And she's been sort of taking in to the mob family, and there's every little episode of this, issue of this, he finds sort of clues and hints that she's been taken in and... At one point, maybe she was doing drugs. Maybe she was actually working in the whorehouse. He doesn't really know what's happened to her because the mob isn't exactly just giving information or texting him and saying, yeah, this is happening with your lady. But he's hot on her trail, and this comes to an amazing ending here. That's all I'm going to tell you about the ending. But, um, man, it's just so beautifully drawn. It's just so cinematic. He does some great eye work here. It's just beautifully, beautifully done. And <clears throat> I love the Tommy Gun aspect of it. It just has this, this. You just love living in this world. It's like you're just going back in time, and and all the prohibition stuff that happens here when he walks into a bar, and then he can order a beer but not whiskey. I mean, it's just so these some of these layouts here as well. They just have such great attention to detail, from everything that's hanging on the walls to uh, to how the men smoke to the lighting in the barber shops. I mean, it just has a realistic lighting and feel to it i mean it's i can absolutely see this as a great period piece film of the prohibition tommy gun days but what's going to happen to trigger man is he going to live is he going to make it is he going to find the woman that he loves uh there could be betrayal involved there could be some twists and some turns but it's just a guy that's hell-bent on doing this to, to satisfy his favor that he owes to the mob and to find the woman that he loves. Does he find her? He has this locket that he opens. That he constantly looks at her face. And it's just a little heartbreaking there. Each time that he looks at her. But he doesn't care how many men he has to murder. And how many people he has to plow through. To get his mission done. But this is just fun, action-packed. Tommy Gun, Hitman, uh, Prohibition Day, Capone-style stuff. If you love all that, you'll love Trigger Man. So check it out. Five of five. It's all done. And it was phenomenal. And delivered on time, which, is, which really says something. It was like monthly and on time, but now I'm sure you can just grab all five issues in a trade paperback collection. But anyway, Trigger Man, go get it. Good stuff. Coming in at number six is the number two, the second of the new number ones, the two of the three that came out of the new number ones this week, and it's Death Be Damned. This is from Boom Studios. This is one of four, and this is by created by Ben Acker, Ben Blacker and Andrew Miller, written by the three of them, and illustrated by Hannah Christensen. And Hannah Christensen's art is phenomenal here. A ton of just very light blue shading. If you like blue shading, you'll love this. But it's a it's a Western uh, action adventure right at the beginning where there is this uh, group of seven cowboys that are leaving this, this family, this small town, in, in disaster it looks like they've just they're marauders they've they've raped and pillaged and stolen this uh, and destroyed this family in this small farm in the, in the middle of the desert and this dust bowl town and they've left the, the wife for dead and she awakens out of the water 
and then begins her hell-bent plan on revenge at coming after this, those seven cowboys that, that killed her family, destroyed her family. I mean, she sees the imagery of her husband lying there. It's just heartbreaking and of like a small child, which they leave out of the frame. I love the touch that they leave with the, the child. It's just sort of you see her feet and there's a shoe missing. You don't really see any blood on her, but it, it tells you enough without seeing it. It's like you see the monster without seeing the monster. And yeah, it's a... Uh, it's, it's very sad and heartbreaking there. So you feel it. You're like, kill them all, lady. Revenge must be yours. Go and find these these seven or eight cowboys and do what you can. She grabs all the family shotguns and she even has to coax a horse in that doesn't like her very much. And there's a cool little sequence there. It's like the one horse that's left is the one horse that uh, they have not been able to break yet. But that's just where things get going. And there's a strange sort of Indian man healer. Uh, he's also sort of the um, the corner of the town that that looks at these bodies in, in the old west, which they really don't care. But it's strange that they've they've given this sort of medicine man, this healer, as this sort of all in, for the small town, the all encompassing doctor slash you know priest slash healer slash autopsy coroner to one young Indian man that's sort of playing along with the white man, if you will. And he is trying to do work on these corpses that will um, basically be part of his family heritage. That his family has these sort of magic spells or, or death, death traditions that they do on, on, on bond dead bodies. But he hasn't been able to <clears throat> sort of reach the afterworld or, or work at all within that magical realm. And does it stay that way? Who knows? But... That's the jumping off. That's the start. There is this other character they introduce um, that something happens to him that's pretty crazy and horrifying. And that character is so interesting and I want to see what happens there. But uh, there's that is the ultimate premise of this. That's the elevator pitch, if you will, of this comic. It's set in the West and it's focusing around this strange woman that's hell-bent on getting revenge for her family being murdered for looks like no reason. They're just these small farmers that... Unfortunately, were raped, pillaged, destroyed, killed, etc., and left for dead. And will she find them? And there's also a great two-page splash of like her memory of her family. That's gorgeous. That's done with again the blue shading of like this sort of smoke fog, and it's a two-page sort of memory flashback thing where between weaved in between the lines of the blue shading are memories of her family, and it just it really drives home this this hellbent mission of revenge that this woman has and so i want to see her dispatch all of these guys in horrendous fashion but um who knows if uh, there's a little bit of otherworldliness here as i said with the with the the corner man indian that's trying to do stuff but that's all i want to tell you it's a great jumping on issue number one action-packed adventure western i didn't i don't really have any westerns going on in my comic book pull list right now that are active pull lists so it was great to see a western jump right in there and be good so death be damned number one grab it go get it and uh it's a uh, beautiful art and great storytelling and like i said revenge story in the west gotta love that and coming in at number five from marvel comics is black widow issue number 11 and black widow is uh gorgeous every the the art style here is just beautiful and I love it. But every week, the Black Widow team is brought to you by Chris Samney and Mark Wade. They're, they're actual credited as both writers and the art is by Chris Samney. But his art is gorgeous. No one does action better right now than, than Chris Samney. 
in Black Widow. You have to check it out just for that alone. But this is a very complex story for her, and now it's simplified. She ultimately is trying to catch these children that have been trained as she was trained in that strange red room. And there is a character now that is the oldest, the eldest of the young children that were trained in the Red Room. And she is hellbent on killing Black Widow because she truly believes that the reason the headmistress killed herself was because Black Widow was about to kill her. But yes, the, the team is on the attack. They are attacking this facility. They're trying to get some sort of nuclear codes to start a, a war. And Black Widow has to stop them. So it is just my action-packed winner of the week, which seems Black Widow often does. But they're in a nuclear facility, and there's all these ninja kids that are fighting Black Widow. And there's even a time where she is just, she's just sort of fighting them, but also observing them. And, and their fighting styles are unique and different. And there's time spent there, and you see where, where Black Widow is surprised by some of the angles and some of the, of the hardware and cool gadgetry that they use towards her like that's different from when i was raised in the red room and back when i was raised in the red room get off my lawn you know kind of thing but <laughs> but it's fun it's just action-packed and i love how all the kids are wearing the same exact outfit at times you don't know are you seeing sort of stuttered like panelized version of action where it's the same person falling you see that quite often where they go from small perspective to large as they go from out of the screen to right in front of your face in a three-dimensional way but no they're all kids all dressed up in ninja outfits so there's just a multitude of them and i like that little play on perspective i thought that was an interesting thing from from uh, chris samney you don't see that a lot but gorgeous gorgeously done but yeah what's going to happen is she going to catch all these kids they all have keys they all have codes can she stop all the keys stop all the codes she has no help here she's on her own she's got to put these kids down quick and does she kill them does she not kill them like what she does is a little unique and a little interesting and kind of a twist but action-packed winner of the week black widow issue 11 get black widow it's so well done and this has a, a like i said a very personal feel and flavor for Black Widow here because it's these children from the very red room that she came from that she always has, you know, nightmares and stuff from. But good, good stuff. Black Widow, get it and get anything that Chris Samney draws. His art is beautiful. But loving Black Widow, as always. It's, again, quite often sprinkled into the top picks of the week throughout time. And uh, it's a definite grab. But here we go. Uh, now, number four is uh, the Jim Henson, the storyteller, tale three of four giants and i'm loving this these are like these gorgeous little <clears throat> watercolor painted uh children's stories that uh one day will read to my grandchildren i just i can't wait i i'll put them aside for that very thing but i love it this is from archaea comics and this is a uh, story and art by jared cullum and uh this is just gorgeous watercolor style of painting like harrow county and he's really spent some time making this opening sequence where the old man's always talking to the talking dog and they're sitting by a warm fireplace in his cozy little home where he tells these stories of giants to the dog and I just love their interaction between them the dog is is uh, always uh, sort of scared but denies to be scared and the dog is always sort of giving the old man smart aleck sort of quips back and forth but I love the little page or page and a half intro that they have before the story begins and there's usually something tangible in the old man's life that sort of links to the story of the past and that happens here too i don't want to waste it but it's always sort of in his archive in this cozy warm home that he has with 
his uh, his dog companion that talks back to him. Maybe the dog doesn't talk back to him. Maybe he's this old senile man that thinks the dog talks. I don't know. But it's warm and it's cozy and there's a fireplace and it's it really sets a great opening sequence tone. <clears throat> so I love that. And this tale is of this family that uh, their village has been attacked by a giant and not all the family is left. And they set the daughter and the young son. The daughter's maybe four years old. And the son is, you know, baby, like barely walking, like in a basket for freedom because their village is being destroyed. And they luckily live as they float down this river. I mean, it has a very, even that to me has a very biblical message to it. It just reminds me of that, you know, of, uh, you know, uh, Ramses and uh, the story in the Bible of, um, you know, the gods of Egypt and the other one is, uh, the name is escaping me. It's, uh, but anyway, it's, it's in the basket and it's going down the river and the young girl and uh, young boy manage to live and then they have to sort of raise themselves and they skip forward in time here, um, which I like, but they do give you some uh, background as to how they were able to make it. She has this sort of slingshot and they live uh, in, in, in the middle of the forest, but she's learned ways to manage and keep the, the child safe. And now the, the, he's like two or three years old. She's maybe nine or 10, something like that. <clears throat> and they're approached by this, this strange spirit, um, just as they're being attacked by wolves. So there is an action sequence in here where because of the emotion that's drawn on the face and there's two little children that are being attacked by wolves, it does get a little intense, a little scary. Um, as far as going for a young child's uh, bedtime story, but but it is uh, it's action packed. It's good, and this uh, spirit that's there sort of is able to change and morph and help them. But they don't really trust that spirit at first, and just, and there's this bear there, but it's it's ultimately a sh this shape shifting spirit that's there to help them, and the shape shifting spirit is there to help them because they know that the giants are coming through this way again. And but they still don't trust it. I mean, ultimately, the spirit turns into a fox and they just feel that the foxes are shifty. But that's the primary sort of sort of uh, animal that this shape shifting spirit remains as. So um, the, the little girl is very cautious. She's been living in the forest, just trying to keep her young brother alive. And so she's just very, very cautious. And and here is the spirit. But ultimately, it comes down to where the giants arrive and what's going to happen. You have this, is there going to be betrayal? Will the spirit fox help them, the shape-shifting spirit fox? Will they run for their lives? Will they stay together? I mean, it's just this great action adventure. The way the giants are drawn and the perspective of them um, by their light shading and sort of graying out coloring, giving that feeling that they're much bigger and they're further away is, is done so super well. Because if you have a giant in the foreground colored the same well then it just sort of looks like it's a large person there but the attention to detail on perspective here is just so well done and also when you have to draw your main character so small you lose a lot of detail sometimes no they kept the details super high and super focused and this art style coloring of water coloring is just gorgeous to look at it's just dreamy but Jim Henson storyteller Giants has been again Another one on the top list constantly. It's so well done. Great bedtime stories for the kids. Uh, one to keep. Very memorable stories here. And they always sort of close with that sequence back to the old man and the talking dog and the warm and cozy fuzzy home. And you love that. You love that that completion that each story is standalone and they reflect on it. And there's always something that they say that's cute or, or funny that quote, quotes back to the giant story. And again, the, the dog and the old man 
and their their back and forth is just delightful. But check out Jim Henson's Storytellers. It's top-notch stuff. But here we go. Now we're into the top three. So let's break it down here. Here we go. Coming in at number three is the art winner and the art cover winner pick of the week. It's All-Star Batman issue number seven. This is written by Scott Snyder, by the way, and this is gorgeous, beautiful art by Tula Lote. Even her cover is out of this world. Gorgeous. Um, even the Francesco Francavilla cover with, I said, like that sort of strange river or lightning that goes across the chest of Batman and the green uh, art that's drawn in with, with Poison Ivy. I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for any sort of one-shot Poison Ivy stories because I, I really do believe she's one of the formidable uh, foes in the rogue gallery of, of opponents for Batman. And it's just a delightful art. Gorgeous. There is a, a, a smidge of sort of a watercoloring style in this, but... I love the use of smoke and the use of uh, the little sort of fresh look on Batman's suit where she where he adds a sort of green neon to it, which is ultimately he knows he's dealing with poison ivy, so he must be prepared for some sort of poison aspect there. So he's coming out to reach out to her because she's trying to live in the middle of nowhere in researching and helping grow this strange tree like this what she considers to be one of the trees of life in the middle of nowhere in the middle of this desert so she's in this liquor store she's trying to get some supplies and there's this back and forth inappropriate conversation with the guy that owns the liquor store here and i just love the tone that it sets and she could easily murder this guy but she just sort of gives him this jedi mind trick and sort of uses uh, this um pheromone power of hers uh, to to make him sort of follow along and make him one of her one of her drones and it's a great opening sequence here and the emotion on the faces really tells the story here because this guy is initially just kind of a douche and then he goes into where he's sort of fighting her pheromones and then he gives into the pheromones there's three sort of looks of this character this jerk that owns this liquor store but such a great opening sequence here and showing her power that she can ultimately use her her plant pheromones that, that it secrete from her body as a way to control whoever she wants to control. But it's like Death Valley and it's in the middle of Nevada. There's that sequence like I told you with the mapping aspect sort of imposed, hyperimposed on the background of some of the art. It's just gorgeous. And there's just a jeep coming across the desert. She's heading to this strange tree of life that's just this sort of almost rotting and twisted but kind of gorgeously, almost bonsai-looking tree, and she speaks to it and talks to it, like, sorry I'm late, and hello, partner, and and she uh, gets down to just her poison ivy outfit, and, like, her skin sort of changes color, and she's got... I love the way they make that Tula Lote makes her look, like her hands are black, and she has this black sort of across her eyes, but ultimately her natural skin color, she's faking it. Like she has to, when she finally like relaxes and let go, like lets go to show her actual colors, it's a very different tone. Her skin is very pale, and like I said, her hands are very like black, and there's like a black edging, like a charcoaling effect across her eyes, and it's just a cool looking, very cool looking poison ivy, but... She's there to sort of help it grow, help this tree of life. Uh, um, you know, she's feeding it, and she has other plants, and she's studying it, and she has a microscope, and I just love every little bit of that the, that sequence, and to her respect for the green. And Batman shows up; he's just there to ultimately ask for her help because in the previous All Star Batman's, um, Mister Freeze is has unleashed this virus that was frozen in the ice for a billion years or something. 
and she needs help. She needs uh, he, er, she needs he needs her to come up with sort of a helpful antidote or something that can fight this ancient virus. And she's not just willing to go ahead and do that. They're they're not exactly friends here, and so she does some stuff here. He's using some tech gadgetry to keep her off. And like I said, the glowing neon suit with the green lining is just it's just unique and a little different. But they have a very complex relationship here, and she is ultimately trying to return the earth to an older state where humans haven't destroyed it she's she's like the ultimate uh, greenpeace agent and he has to convince her that you know with why this this virus will wipe out all life forms that it'll destroy fauna and flora and trees and everything that's growing and all life so will she take will will that be enough did batman convince her will she just go ahead and whip up some sort of concoction to help save the day well, you're going to have to read it. You're going to have to check it out. But some of the close-ups on Poison Ivy's face here is top-notch. Absolutely A+. The way that she is using these light green lines that are... Po like whenever she uses her, her pheromones to level 10, it's like her whole complexion changes. And it's like these green lightning lines that are all over her face. It's just... It's beautiful and horrifying. And uh, that's why it's the number three pick of the week. Check out All-Star Batman... I'd say from here. Um, the others have been sort of good. I haven't. I've had maybe one or two of the previous uh, one through six issues on top pick of the week. So this is a great jumping point, the jumping on point. I would start right here with this single shot, one shot of Batman and Poison Ivy. It's just top notch. Scott Snyder, home run, and like I said, Tula Lote. I'm gonna have to buy all their work from now on. I'm on the hunt. But coming in at number two is uh, this is a hard. Case Crime Comic Company. Again, this is a kind of an offshoot of Titan. It's the same creators from the Trigger Man comic book. This is Walter Hill on writing. And these are both first names, but it's Mats and Jeff. They're both like French writers. This ultimately came out in France first. And uh, I'm going to actually just talk about the uh, uh, number two briefly because I'm just going to go into number one. So I'll meld them two together, but uh, I'll announce it now. Anyway, the number one pick of the week is the assignment... Number one. And the number two pick of the week is the assignment number two. So this is a kind of a rare first where the number one issue is the number one and the number two issue is the number two. Uh, and again, this is the, th the third of the three new number ones that came out this week. So I'll meld them together. But this, uh, I didn't know it was a movie going in. I didn't know they were going to make a movie. And some of the reasons I like this, uh, it, most of the reasons I like this is because of the premise, because of the, the gist, the elevator pitch of this story, which is insane. There's this guy named Frank Kitchen who is a killer. Um, I think Walter Hill likes to write in this hard case crime comic genre because it's a hired gun. It's a hired killer, much like the Trigger Man, but more in like uh, maybe the 80s is kind of the look and feel of it overall. There's kind of the 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 suit jackets with the rolled up sleeves and the collars popped it just has this 80 feel to it but uh they could you know cross genre this to wherever they want but it's a hitman named frank kitchen that was assigned to kill this artist who looks sort of like um like a um uh like a an artist that I'm the name I'm forgetting, but anyway, um, it'll come to me. But he, uh, uh, Frank Kitchen, does his work, which he's a hitman for hire, and he kills this uh, this artist. Like an Andy Warhol is what it sort of looks like. The glasses, the hair, but it's like you know in the 80s. Maybe it is Andy Warhol. They just aren't saying it officially. But so Frank's hired to kill this person, and he's dealing with some shady individuals uh, for the payment of this and for his dealings. But <clears throat> once. He does his job and murders this artist. 
He's hit over the head and knocked unconscious. And when Frank wakes up, they have surgically changed Frank into a woman. Now, initially, I thought, wow, the, uh, probably there'll be some people in the LGBTQ community that'll be angered at this. Um, I haven't looked into it that much so far, but I thought, what a kind of it's kind of risky. I mean, definitely, he takes some chances here. He goes into a genre that I don't, I can't think of anywhere in comics that has been done before. So it's definitely risky, definitely edgy. And you can take this two ways. I wasn't offended by it. I, I know it's just a comic book, etc. Um, but they've transitioned uh, the Frank Castle into now a woman. And they've um, it's it makes her into a, a beautiful woman and leaves just high heels and G-strings and clothes that you know a, a woman would wear. And he has no idea what to do. And there's a, a tape recorder and instructions left for the pill concoction that, that uh, Frank has to take. And instructions on how to, how to you know, hormonally balance uh, through this transitioning. So it's crazy. There's a little bit of an aspect there, and and what uh, this person had to go through in that. And there's like a four month period where this person, this killer, is now just trying to deal with uh, being a woman, and how she's constantly being you know hit on and uh, treated appropriate inappropriately, and how people just look at her and call her different names and toots and honey and. It's just this sort of, this very, it just angers you, you know, and how like a, a woman is just treated at this time zone. And maybe it is something, there's definitely has a little 80s sensibility to it, but um, seems like it's a very different time. But um, yeah, so, so Frank begins because, you know, just call her Frank because he doesn't really, they don't really, he doesn't change her name. Just, he just still refers to himself as Frank. Um, just goes on a, a, a drinking spree and doesn't know what to do and just kind of gives in to failing and and wants to have the mission of finding the people that did this to them and and make them pay for what they did but just doesn't know what to do and is weak and the medicine is making his head you know uh, very groggy and wobbly and so she even in, uh, goes to like a like a, a bum alley like a, where all these hobos are and tries to just find a place to sleep and they hit her over the head and take her her medicine and all of her money and so she's just living like a homeless person beaten and and covered in dirt and then this priest comes along and you think oh it's just going to get worse again like here we go it's taking another step into the bad like one thing just keeps happening over and over but no this priest actually takes uh, frank in and and helps her heal and, and gives her soup and feeds her and and gets her back to strength and to a to a point where then Frank starts building his life back together and learning how to walk in women's clothes and learning how to uh, handle himself, you know, physically and how to fight again because his body's been so augmented and even goes into finding some weaponry and back to this pawn shop where he would hide out his payments in a pawn shop and these bags that had like hidden compartments in these bags and he'd leave them at pawn shops crappy bags that no one would want so that it wouldn't sell that was a risk he took but but it sort of paid off and i love that little attention to detail putting a um, just an ugly bag at a pawn shop with some time of course for no one to claim it in these hidden compartments all this this cash so he goes back to that and gets some weaponry and then what's going to happen from there? I mean, that's really it. There, the issue three hasn't come out yet, but there's already a movie coming out for this in March uh, called The Reassignment. I think they changed the name of it, maybe due to some controversy. But I like that it's controversial. Um, I, I, I did not take this in an offensive way, and um, I'm sure some people will. But uh, it's a comic book, folks. But 
It just takes some risks. It's definitely uh, something different and new and a fresh take. And this team of of Matts and Jeff on art are they're spectacular artists. It's super hyper realistic. It definitely has a European feel and flavor to it because I think they're French artists. Like I said, I can't really find much on these two artists. Uh, mostly art by Jeff, but the adaptation is done by Matts, and some of the layouts and plots are done by this person with first name M A T Z, and Jeff with one F. But yeah, it's it's dark, it's noir. It definitely has this Watchmen, the Watchmen sort of feel and overall tone, very realistic and harsh. And there's just a lot of time and art spent here on on the the look of the world and the dark noir feel to it, and the neon lighting. Uh, like in New York and it's just it's a love letter to what I feel is the 80s New York and we are introduced into some of the people responsible for doing this and why they're responsible is is, is a little bit of a twist and I saw that uh, Michelle Rodriguez is playing Frank and uh, Sigourney Weaver is playing uh, this doctor that uh, did the surgery that's a lot more involved than just being a doctor in it but I'm all in I kind of want to see the movie the, the trailer has this very B action sort of feel to it this sort of doesn't but um it definitely the the trailers i think i'll probably check this movie out in march whenever it comes out i don't know if it's going to be in actual theaters or if it's just going to on demand or something like that or straight to video i'm not sure but um it does have some top-notch names in it walter hill who's the writer of the uh the trigger man comic and the assignment the reassignment comic is the director of the film uh that's coming out uh, called the reassignment uh, starring Michelle Rodriguez and Sigourney Weaver, but very very cool. Uh, it was interesting to see. Like after I was done reading these, I said, "I wonder if this this seems like a premise for a movie." And that's when I found out that Walter Hill, like I said, he did all the Aliens movies and he did the Warriors, and he's doing this, the assignment slash reassignment. I don't know if they've gone with a final name yet, but I know it's controversial. It's edgy. It's different. But the art is beautiful. I mean, even when this guy draws buildings, he's just as painstaking attention to detail is uh is lovingly drawn and it's worth putting your eyes on and the way that that when frank's in a subway by himself and just looking sad at what's happened to him and really down in the dumps like you just feel it the emotion on the faces is just so well done but there's definitely this underworld this underbelly of uh of you know hitmen and and organized crime that's all involved in this and that's where walter hill loves to live like with trigger man but Easily the top pick, uh, very controversial pick, but I really, really enjoyed it. I was like, oh, I hope issue number three is out. No, it's not. And I was late to finding this, but I'm so glad that I did. It was because of Trigger Man being over. I was like, there has to be something, some more work of Walter Hill and Matt's and artist Jeff. And yes, I found it with the assignment. So check it out. Definitely different kind of pick, different kind of number one, but uh, movie's already going to be with us in a couple of weeks. But that's the assignment or reassignment, whatever they want to call it. Uh, written by Walter Hill. But super, super good. So there you go. There you have it. Those are all my comic book recommendations for a new comic book week, uh, February 8th. Please go to a local comic book shop and tell them you need these desperately. Tell them that Chris from Sunspots Comics sent you. They'll look at you really strange, but so what? Just do it. And if you have any questions, comments, or maybe you would just like a personal comic book recommendation, or maybe you want to tell me something I missed, which is really helpful when I get those emails, because you can't read all of them. There's just no way. There's just too many comic books out there. Maybe I've missed something that you really think I should be reading. Send me the recommendation. I'd love to hear from you. Email me directly at chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I choose your email, I feel it's good. I'll discuss it on a podcast, and I will mail you a free comic book prize from me directly. Please sign up for our our newsletter at sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And tune in next week for issue number 94 
Um, I'm reading a giant-sized pull list of 27 comics next week. 27 for a new comic book day, February 15th. And there are three new number ones coming out, so potentially I will be reading 30 comic books. I hope that they are all great so I can discuss them and tell you about them next week. But just some of the stuff I'm looking forward to next week for New Comic Book Day, February 15th. Star Wars, Poe Dameron, number 11. Superman 17. I was just loving Superman. Uh, Unfollow is uh, coming. I hope that... I know this is kind of wrapping up and coming to an end. Uh, Voracious Feeding Time, number 3 is coming out. The Walking Dead, issue number 164. So that'll be with us. I'm looking forward to that. And Walking Dead also premieres tonight. I can't wait. My wife and I will be watching it for sure. Cave Carson next week. Clone Conspiracy is wrapping up. The the Spider-Man Clone Cons- Conspiracy 5 of 5 concludes. Looking forward to that. Daredevil 17, always a top pick. Uh, Ether number 4, which I think that's the end of that as well. Just to give you a few. Invincible! I, it, it seems like only last week Invincible came out, so they're, they took a little break, but we're getting more Invincible, which I love that. So Invincible number 133 is coming out, and I do believe 132 was the pick of the week number 1 last week. It was. But anyway, please tune in next week to issue number 94 of the podcast. It's going to be an amazing week of comics for February 15th. So thank you very much from the deep innards of my very soul. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And if you want to help us and just give a little bit back, just subscribe to us on on iTunes, of course, and go to iTunes and give us a positive review with five stars. It really helps us, and it definitely has some weight when you do that. I will personally thank you on a future podcast for going out of your way and giving us a positive review on iTunes. So thank you so much. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I certainly did. Time went by so fast. I always love it. And don't forget, of course, my friend, to be like water. That's right. Be water, my friends. See you next week. Goodbye. Have you seen it all in gold? Comics now.